It's the TEH Podcast, episode number, holy crap, 99. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. 99 episodes. 99, we got 99 episodes, and this is one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah, we're going to have to come up with something special for 100. Got to convince yeah. some of our our uh, prior guests maybe to show up. and, and That would be nice, yeah. Maybe do something else. Uh, so what, uh, what'd you bring to the table today, Gary? Well, it, it, something different than what we've been talking about normally, which is what everybody else has been talking about normally is nothing to do with current events really. But, uh, I just, uh, this story is like my favorite story of the year <laughs> so far. Uh, and the year's so, not even over. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so like, <laughs> let me ask you, let me ask you this. Well, like, could you imagine having to be a moderator? For Facebook. And by that, I mean somebody flags an image or something said as this is inappropriate. That goes to a moderator who would then see all sorts of things all day long that have been flagged by other people as inappropriate. Right. That's all you do is look at things that are potentially inappropriate and I guess say yes, it is and no, it isn't. Um, but that's a job. <laughs> that's a job for a lot of people, apparently. And all they do for, I assume, eight hours a day is look at inappropriate images that people decided to post to Facebook. Um, apparently, that it, well, apparently human beings really suck <laughs> because <laughs> because that kind of sludge of human commenting and posting that these people had to look at was so bad that many of them got PTSD just from doing that job sitting on a computer and looking what people at what people posted that was not appropriate for public consumption can you imagine the people uh, that do were doing it started saying it went to their dreams they were analyzed by medical professionals who diagnosed them with PTSD um, a lot of them f flamed out pretty quickly they couldn't do the job for very long uh, you know, just horrible, horrible things. So bad that, in fact, last week, uh, there was a settlement in a case started by one of these moderators uh, and joined by many more. And Facebook uh, agreed to pay $52 million to these moderators. Do you know how many there were? <clears throat> I don't, but I can tell you that uh, the minimum payment for somebody is 1000 bucks. So it's not the kind of thing, oh, you hear this big settlement, and I got $12. Right, no, right. Like, like at the very least, all of them are getting paid $1,000. Uh, it covers 11,250 moderators. Okay, there you go. They were hired by a sub, four different subcontractors from four different states. Uh, and yeah, so it's $1,000. Everybody gets 1000 bucks out of this group. And then... You get more based on if you were diagnosed with PTSD or if you were diagnosed with depression, or you can, there are other things that could basically go on top of that even uh, to raise up the amount that you actually get as part of the settlement. Um, the thousand bucks can actually be spent any way you wish. <laughs> so you can use shopping therapy if you want, right. <laughs> uh, but it, its intention is to to be for diagnosis. So you get your thousand dollars. Now you can take that to a medical professional who can then diagnose you and say, "Oh, you're fine. You're good to go." Or no, this is you're going to need something more because you have PTSD. And then you could go and claim some more of the fifty-two million dollars. Um, this stuff was apparently really bad. I mean, it, it, you know that, and, and I could see it. I mean, can you imagine having to look at this stuff? It's interesting because on one hand. I consider myself a fairly resilient person. I mean, I can mm. look at a lot of bizarre stuff and not not take it personally, not internalize it. Uh, but then, of course, I'm not doing it like eight hours a day, five days a week, or whatever their job is. And I, I mean, and of course, it's not hard to imagine um, just how bad some of that stuff can be. But to see it that constantly. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if it if it at least affected my dreams. I don't know if it would if it would take me to a PTSD level of um, of concern, but uh, yikes! Yeah, well, at least one of the companies that did 
this subcontracting has gotten out of the business. They don't want anything more to do with this. Right. Um, and, uh, and Facebook moving forward as part of this agreement is going to have uh, changes to how they do this. So some interesting changes. Um, for, uh, first, just something like for videos, the muting is by default. So you could just see what's on there, but you can't hear it. And I suppose the idea is, oh, if you could tell right away it's inappropriate, you can just flag it and move on. Right. Um, and then if you need to look further and say, well, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong, let me, let me hear what's going on. Um, also, videos would be shown in black and white, which is kind of interesting. It's funny because was, that was just floating through my mind. I wonder if doing that would make a difference. Yeah, apparently somebody thinks so. So that's another thing that they're doing. Huh. Um, and this is uh, you know, rolling out already. 80% of moderators by the end of this year will have these tools uh, that supposedly will make it better for them. Also, kind of ongoing, um, you know, uh, I guess, programs to help people to detect whether they're having any issues and also screening applicants for emotional resiliency as part of the hiring process. Um, and uh, yeah, it's so. It's interesting, but so, you know, the, to me, the thing is, it's like this is pe people are creating this. This isn't like, you know, you're you're having to go and I don't know, look at uh, you know something that occurs in nature or something like that, and right. you know, you might get a t it's a chemical. You know, you're going to work in a mine, and there's a chemical in the mine, and it can cause you harm. You know, this is actually stuff being created by human minds, right. being tunneled, you know, channeled into Facebook, and then it goes to the moderation channel and it's so toxic that it actually uh, is harming people mentally who have to look at it. So I wonder if there's, is there a different solution, I guess? I mean, so, so the, the assumption here, both with, with the original process and from what it sounds like some of the uh, remediative measures is that it still takes an individual uh, to, view or mm -hmm. observe whatever this material is and make a judgment. Um, I'm wondering if, I don't know, is there technology that could be brought to bear on this to not necessarily eliminate the job, but potentially reduce it? The, uh, uh, the episode of Silicon Valley comes to mind, you know, not hot dog. What is that? Wasn't that the, uh, I've not, I've never seen Silicon Valley. And it, I know it, I should. It, it, well, yeah, you definitely should. Uh, in one of the episodes or, you know, one of the seasons, uh, basically somebody develops a, an app that is supposed to be able to look at food and tell you what, what it is. That's, you know, a slice of pizza and it's this many calories and all of that. Um, and the, as the test case, they had to identify a hot dog. So all it could do was say hot dog, not hot dog. <laughs> that okay. was, you know, the test case. And it turns out they could not get it to go beyond that. But that somebody discovered that it could uh, actually uh, detect when something else was on the screen, not a hot dog <laughs> necessarily, but something, something else that people hot, hot probably like <laughs> many of these moderators had to see. Right. And uh, and basically, so the you know the joke became like, you know, hot dog, not hot dog. And um, and that was what this technology, all this technology did. So of course, it, you know, the startup that was trying to like make a small amount of money uh, by telling how many calories it was in your food actually sell, ended up selling for a ton of money because it could be used as, you know, a detection system for images right. of that nature. So right. um, I just yeah. wonder, for example, um, rather than, uh, how do I want to put this? Rather than having that be someone's job, right? Your job yeah. is just sit at your computer all day long and look at this stuff. Um, is there perhaps an approach where you spread it out so that um, for perhaps some number of volunteers within Facebook or uh, within the industry or who knows, right? Just some, you know, who of course are going to end up signing some horrible liability waiver, et cetera. But basically you're, what you sign up for is yes, once a day, I will look at something for five minutes and I'll make a judgment call. And so you're basically crowdsourcing this rather than focusing yeah. on a dedicated team of individuals. You know, maybe there was a time when that could have been done, but not now that there's this lawsuit that Facebook settled probably kills any idea of having volunteers do this work, even seeing a little bit of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you go into the mind voluntarily for one hour a week into the toxic mind and, and, and uh, see if you can find stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, this is, I just, uh, I don't know. It's, I just don't know how you solve the problem without, without collateral damage, to be honest. Um, it's, it's, it's a very difficult problem to solve. I mean, the, the premise that you start, you started with is, um, is very accurate. I won't say people suck, but some people definitely do. And, uh, they have access to the internet and all else flows from there. And what you do about that is a really, really hard problem to solve. I just don't know how to go about doing it without, no. without other humans being involved and making these kinds of judgments. I'm disturbed by the sheer numbers of this. I mean, if this was a full-time job, or even if it was only part-time, let's, let's say it was part-time, 11,250 people in this class action lawsuit. Well, That's okay. a lot of people that did enough hours doing this that they're somehow... Right, but I think the other thing that we probably need to take into account is that it's not like they were looking at horrid stuff for eight hours. Right. My guess is, yeah. I mean, you've probably moderated a group or two on oh, Facebook. Sure. And, um, you know, the other side of the coin is, um, you know, some people are, um, are awful. Some people are just dumb. I mean, they, they will flag as offensive oh, sure. something that they simply don't agree with. And I would expect that that would actually be more common than, um, finding actual offensive material not i'm sure you know lots of offensive material exists but i would expect that um uh, stupidity and misuse of the flag as offensive is likely to be more common so i expect that these moder or these moderators are spending the majority of their time uh looking at stupidity not that that wouldn't also potentially result in ptsd but it would be a different different style i suppose um but uh, you know so that it's not 100 percent of what they're looking at no it's not 100 percent, but it's i'm enough. sure you know some of it is probably not just people flagging stuff but actually you know algorithms that are trying to identify you know what's in the photos right. um just like you know like google photos and uh, Apple photos and everything does just for normal stuff like boats, sunsets, that kind of thing. Right. Um, it just has a different set set that probably doesn't exist in Google photos for you to search. Well, I wonder how many pictures of this. Well, um, you know, I'll bet, I'll bet that algorithm exists though, because I'll bet oh, they will prevent does. you from uploading or sharing certain, you know, things that it thinks are suspicious. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure it definitely does. And some Which of makes the stuff me does get flagged that way. It makes me wonder how do other companies solve this problem because this can't really be unique to Facebook. No, and uh, I mean Facebook, I could see being one of the largest, but obviously Twitter's going to have this issue. Obviously Instagram, well, it's part of Facebook too. So who knows? This could include Instagram for all we probably know. did. Yeah. Uh, but and then there's you know some of the other th things out there get around this a little bit by not having as much public feed as like Facebook does. Like a lot of stuff out there is just person to person or person to group. And there's no like publicly facing way to see that person's stuff. Or maybe it's, that's not the default at least. Whereas Facebook has a lot of stuff that's public facing. You know, you just go and create an account, start posting things, and pretty much anybody could see it. Um, so that if it's not public facing, if, you know, just you posting to like 12 of your friends, chances are you're not going to get that many things flagged. Uh, even if they are inappropriate, because maybe your your group of friends is fine with that, whatever. Right. But I, I don't know. It's um. Yeah. It that may, that means if Facebook's got eleven thousand people doing this over a course of a couple of years, I mean you're probably talking worldwide, close to what fifty, hundred thousand people employed doing this. Yep. Do, do, doing moderation checks. Yep. I mean YouTube. There's another one uh, that has. Uh, has to deal with this. Right. I wonder though, if for YouTube specifically, I mean, I'm sure that there are people trying to upload porn all the time, uh, but YouTube is, is also more complex in that um, they're also aggressively looking for things like copyright violation. Mm. And uh, I just don't know how much of that they can really, I mean, clearly they try to automate some of it because you get automatic flag, automated flags all the time. Oh yeah. Uh, which I also, by the way, got on uh, Facebook not that long ago. Um, I uploaded a video for an organization that I was working with, and we used some stock audio 
uh, actually from YouTube, uh, completely public domain audio. And YouTube immediately, like within 30 seconds or so, said, hey, uh, you know, we're turning off the audio on this because it sounds like it might be something that somebody else has copyrighted. Now, all I had to do was say, myself, all I had to do was say, no, no, it's, it's mine. I've, I've, got, I've got the rights to it. But um, there was definitely an automated process there. And I know that Google does the same thing on YouTube. But once again, you go back to uh, the questionable cases where, you know, somebody, a real human needs to make a judgment call and they've got to look yeah. at it. Well, on YouTube, I mean, I think the general thing is nobody sees it until you, you complain the other direction. Um, you know, so something automatic is flagging it. Copyright stuff, they have all this software that, that does copyright stuff or the copyright owners, you know, large music companies and such can go out and do it as well. Um, but that's not YouTube's problem you know they just give them the tools and and they have algorithms that look for other things as well and they flag something still nobody has seen it at that point um you go and then say hey no that's not right now it goes to a moderation queue right um so they probably have like the opposite situation most of the stuff that those moderators see is probably fine because it's the creator risking a strike basically of some sort against them if you're lying and saying, no, that's fine when it really isn't. I um, suppose that is something that uh, Facebook doesn't have that YouTube does. And that is YouTube, for the most part, YouTube channel owners have a vested interest in keeping their channel and maintaining their channel. Whereas, uh, you know, with Facebook, uh, it's just so easy to throw up another account uh, and have it basically spam all the same people you were spamming before with whatever it was, the the risk of getting your account deactivated because you're posting questionable material isn't uh, isn't really as big as it would be, say, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a yeah a value in once you have your YouTube channel set up, you don't want to you don't want to mess that up. So this was your favorite story of the year, huh? Well, just because I just find it, <laughs> I find it amazing that, that there are so many people that do moderation. I find it amazing that it's so bad that they, it's giving them PTSD. Um, and uh, it's just like, it's just a whole new aspect to the world that, that human beings are creating such, such toxic stuff that it's actually causing harm. Right. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. People don't have to post any of that stuff. Can't we all just get along? Can we? Yeah. It just, <laughs> it, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. People are horrible. That's what it comes down to. Some people are horrible. Some people, a lot of people, it. enough that there are 11,000 people that to, to moderate them. Uh, all <laughs> a right. Large number of people. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm glad it's not a job I signed up for. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, no, I can imagine. No. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I have a new phone. I think we talked about this several weeks ago. Uh, I was saying that my Google Pixel, the battery life was starting to get annoying. And uh, so, you know, it basically was to the point where if I didn't charge it at least for a while during the day sometime, uh, by the time I went to bed, it was already complaining that, you know, hey, I'm hungry, I'm about to shut down, or in some cases it did shut down. Last week, I had two instances where I was trying to shoot video with the phone. Uh, I've been trying to do a, a kind of a behind the scenes video of uh, my recording setup here uh, in both my office where I've got some cameras and, and microphone and so forth, and then also my, my upstairs quote unquote studio. And of course, to be able to show the camera that I use when I'm actually recording video, I needed to use a different camera, which meant I whipped out my phone and started recording. And it just shut down without explanation, without whatever. And my assumption was that, okay, fine, the battery was really, really bad. And of course, video is probably one of those things that takes a lot of, a lot of power. Uh, so I probably just drained the battery real quickly. I didn't really think that much of it. I didn't finish the video that day. I took it as a sign that it wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, then a couple of days later, uh, we had a friend over who asked me to video, uh, one of, or actually a couple of her, uh, her corgis, of course. And in doing so, same thing happened. The phone just sort of shut down 
And that was annoying. I did manage to get the video I needed, but it was, like I said, quite annoying. And when I fired the phone back up, it said that the battery was at 65%, which means that it probably wasn't a battery issue, at least not for the video shutting down, uh, which confused me, especially given that I had done a factory reset on the phone about a month ago. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the bucket loads of apps that we all tend to end up with uh, had been, uh, for the most part, removed. There was a lot of stuff that just was no longer on the phone, and it was still behaving this way. And I said, okay, fine. I get the hint. Um, you know, it's another sign. Uh, this time, the sign was that I needed to spend some money, and I ended up getting the current uh, top-of-the-line uh, Google Pixel, the Pixel 4, XL because I like the extra size and I got the uh, um, 128 gig version of it because that was the one thing that I actually uh, regretted when I got the pixel the original pixel like over three years ago was that I was in a hurry and I only got the 32 gig version because I'd have to wait another week for the 128 gig version or something like that and of course I was bumping up to memory limits all the time so um, I've got the phone and it's awesome. Uh, I went to bed last night and it was like 70% battery left. I just, I'm just not used to that anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's interesting to note some of the differences. It's definitely a faster phone. It's got, you know, the fast, you know, the more, more recent processor. It's a brighter screen. I haven't played that much with the camera. The camera is supposedly very, very good compared to uh, the original the original pixel but uh, there were a couple of design decisions that i thought were i'll just call them interesting uh, one is that the pixel had a fingerprint reader and i had gotten used to using that for uh, basically authentication it would unlock my phone if i needed to do that uh, i had it hooked up with lastpass so that if i needed to uh, use lastpass to get a password combination um, all i had to do was put my finger in the right place and magic happened there's no fingerprint reader what they're using instead is facial rec which i guess um is something you're already used to right you're doing that with yep. your iphones yeah yeah that's right um which i was skeptical of uh but uh, it seems to be working and working well. And honestly, it's probably a little smoother than uh, requiring that my finger be in a particular place. I just sort of, you know, pick up my phone and look at it and all of a sudden it's unlocked without my having to do a thing. Uh, so that was kind of cool. The other thing that kind of surprised me and uh, <laughs> caused me to spend some more money is that uh, they took out uh, sometime between Pixel and Pixel 4, they removed the headphone jack, which surprised me because I thought that that was controversial enough that uh, they were going to leave it in for a little while longer. Uh, and unfortunately, I do have a set of headphones that I use uh, at nighttime, actually. They're, they're designed to be something you can wear comfortably while you, you know, lay on your pillow. And uh, those, of course, were plug-ins, so I had to order a pair of Bluetooth equivalents. But uh, that kind of surprised me, too, that they went ahead and, and removed that. My wife asked me, you know, why would they remove that connector? And the, um, uh, the answer, as I understand it, is that uh, the phones are, are getting small enough or specifically thin enough that the size of the connector is actually one of the things that was preventing them from getting thinner. And, of course, the connector itself takes up um, a not inconsequential amount of room in the phone, and they would rather use that, I'm sure, for things like more battery. So anyway, I've I've got the phone. I ended up ordering my new, uh, you know, I've got a, a case on it and a protector on the screen and so forth. But so far, I'm I've remained very very happy with it. I've uh, you know started reinstalling some of the things that I was reluctant to install on the factory reset version of its predecessor, and uh, it's just just happening. I'm a happy guy. Cool. Yeah, I think another reason that the headphone jacks went out of style was waterproofing too. Um, trying to you know get these phones more and more watertight. Right. Uh, that was a major area a, where water filter let, let a lot of water in. Yeah. 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 And and you know you'd have to build a hole, and then you'd have to make it even bigger if you wanted to make it somehow so water couldn't enter in. It was a sealed right. you know, port or something. Um, Whereas USB-C and Lightning, you know, by their nature, they're designed to be sealed. Uh, 
also i never i never missed the headphone jack because the um i i remember back you know when we had sony walkman and the knockoffs and i had a long string of those and pretty much they all you got one of those uh devices playing cassettes or later on cds and use them until the headphone jack broke. <laughs> that was like that was the thing that always broke. It was I swear I must have had like six or seven of those from like a kid in the early eighties, all the way through to like you know my first MP3 player. Probably not even that many. I mean more than that. Probably like ten of those of different brands and everything. And I swear every single one of those the headphone jack broke and I being pretty handy would actually go in and fix them. I'd open them up and I'd re-solder the headphone jack. Right, right, right. And, but then, you know, eventually you just, the, the, the board and the solder, it just loses all of its ability to kind of, you know, you, you fix it for the first time and it works for six months and the second time it works for three months. And the, you know, the third time you fix it, it works for a week, you know, and then you're like, all right, the board, the board is just totally damaged in that area where the headphone jack is. And so, you know, when they were on phones, it was like, oh boy. And the only thing that saved, saved them on phones is we would get new phones way more often than we'd want to get like, you know, portable player. You get a, like a cassette player, you expect, that's it. I've got a cassette player now, portable cassette player, I attach it to my belt and I'm done. And then no, a few years later, the headphone jack breaks. But a phone, of course, by the time the headphone jack would break, we'd probably have a new phone anyway, which is I think the only thing that saves those headphone jacks and the phones. That's um, funny. So yeah, so I always hated those and hated that my that, that they continue to exist. And when Apple got rid of them because they were the first to do so, I was like, right. good riddance. <laughs> and uh, gladly got a little adapter, but quickly went Bluetooth anyway because uh, it seemed to make sense to me. Right. And then the funny thing is now is using um, you know uh, the port on it. I don't use the port anymore because I have a wireless charger and I have my AirPods. And, you know, I went from like, oh, this only has one port. How am I supposed to do more than one thing at a time to, oh, it has one port that I never use for anything. Right. It's interesting because so the, the Pixel 4 does supposedly have a wireless charging, uh, which I have not bought into yet. Um, I'm not doing any of that. I don't have a wireless charger. Uh, I'll probably try it sometime. Yeah, it's only like 10 bucks or something. You can pick up a wireless charger. So well, the one, <laughs> the one that was available with the Pixel 4 oh, yeah, well, no, was like 150 bucks. Oh, so, no, I'm not going there. Um, so I'm, well, I may look into it at some point, but that is what the port gets used for. It gets used for, for power, and that's it. It's, you know, I plug it in overnight, and, uh, and I'm good for the rest of the day once again. Yeah. I mean, I just like the, the best thing about the wireless charging is when I stick it on my nightstand at night uh, on the wireless charger in the morning, I don't have to unplug it. Right. I, I just grab it and go. Or mm -hmm. at night, if you know I'm listening to an audio book or I just want to check the time or I have an idea and I want to jot it down, I don't have this cable attaching right. it that I have to like, okay, let me grab my phone in this way and make sure I don't knock everything off the nightstand. I can just grab it. So, so I love it, but that's, that's cool. New phone. I, you know, I've got the, the latest iPhone, uh, which I bought in October or whenever it came out. And I'm of course uh, regretting the decision to get it because the primary reason I wanted to upgrade to the latest iPhone was the cameras, you know, new cameras and they're even better than ever. Right. Uh, but you know, no travel means really no photos for me. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like I spent a thousand bucks on a new phone primarily to get some really nice cameras and I haven't gone anywhere, and I'm not going to be going anywhere until the next iPhone comes out, probably. So, <laughs> so funny. yeah. I'm still, I'm still of a mind. Uh, I mean, I like that the camera is as good as it is. I really do, even the the previous one. Um, it's very handy for uh, what I would call snapshot photography, and I know that a lot of people do way more than that. And maybe I'll investigate some of that with this one if the if the camera really is better. Uh, supposedly it's got the sensors, so it'll do some of the 3D effects where you can you know, like roll around the picture and move it around some. But um, no, when it comes to uh, photography, I grab one of my Nikon's. I mean, ah. that's that's my go to well, my go to camera for things, um, which actually turns out to be a good segue. The yes, uh, it does. I, know. I was I was trying to steer the ship in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. When I record, I, I do two kinds of videos. Uh, and there's what I call my narration videos, which is really just uh, my podcast with the camera turned on. 
I actually narrate the articles that get published on Ask Leo. Um, but I've got the camera turned on and I'm upstairs uh, standing in front of that green screen uh, that uh, is then replaced with, you know, the blue gradient and so forth. That is, uh, uh, the video for that is being recorded on my Nikon D5300. It's a nice light um, a crop frame, a crop sensor, um, uh, Nikon. It's it's a plastic body. Like I said, it's light. It's it's what I throw in my uh, backpack when I used to travel, <laughs> right? Um, and and it's got a you know I've got a couple of interesting lenses for it, but it's a nice high quality um, high quality camera. Um, the other one um, is bigger. It's got its own case, and that's you know for when I really get serious. That's my. Um, uh, uh, so I've, I should look at it and it'll roll off the top of my tip of my tongue here in a moment. <laughs> uh, my D810, that's what it is. The, um, uh, but, but when I'm recording video here at my desk uh, in my office, I'm using a Logitech Brio, which does a fine job, um, it, but it's still fundamentally a webcam it is you know it's the little tiny pinhole lens with some plastic in front of it or maybe there's a little bit of glass I don't know uh, so I've wanted to play with uh, actually using one of my Nikons as my video camera as my streaming video camera and of course they're both capable of doing that you pointed me at a device uh, I think it was a year ago almost because uh, I've had it for a while, called a cam link. Mm -hmm. What it is, it takes um, HDMI in on one side, which is provided by the camera, and produces USB 3 on the other side and represents to the operating system as just another webcam, just another video camera. And I've played with it. Uh, it works. It does that just fine. The problem that I had and the reason that I started reinvestigating this just yesterday or the day before is I believe you mentioned that you were having troubles using the same device to get 4K video uh, into either of your machines. Weren't you uh, um, trying to do that with your yeah. one of your cameras? Yeah, the new camera is a 4K camera, so right. that's so, what I had hoped to do. Right, and, and I totally, totally get that. What I had tried to do before, uh, the other thing that's different about upstairs and downstairs here is that my, my standing desk studio, um, that's where I've got my old Mac. My Mac Pro is up there. And what I found, I found two things. Uh, one is at that time, Camtasia, uh, really didn't want to do um, high frame rate video at all, right? It was good at five frames per second or ten frames mm. per second if you turn on the web if you turn on the the video camera. Uh, but even without that, even firing up a different video recording uh, package like OBS is what I, my go to these days if I'm going to record something. Uh, it just it couldn't keep up, even at 1080p, right? The, which is the most I'm getting out of my cameras, but that's plenty. Uh, it just couldn't keep up, and I tried it on my uh, on my Mac Pro, which surprised me. I tried it on my on my MacBook Pro, which of course didn't surprise me. It was worth a try. Um, I was just really disappointed that it would not keep up. So I basically put the the adapter um, in my closet where I keep all the assorted electronics. I'm sure you've got a similar collection of, oh, yeah. of, <laughs> of things you, you've played with or mean to play with or should play again with someday. Uh, but when you mentioned this the other day, it dawned on me, I have a brand spanking new computer. I've got my, uh, my Puget Systems desktop, which um, you know, is, is uh, USB 3.0 native. It's got um, you know, a much faster processor. It's got all sorts, all the good stuff, right? So I should give this a try. And uh, indeed, I hooked up my D5300 and got some gorgeous uh, video streamed through my PC. I was very, very pleased with it, and I'll probably be moving to that. The only issue that remains is that the continuous autofocus on the Nikons kind of, sort of, sucks. Mm. Um, it's 
continuous in that it is frequently refocusing. And the way it refocuses is it focuses a little beyond, it focuses a little in front, and then finally focuses on the item. Hmm. Which on streaming video, if you're just recording yourself speaking, uh, I've seen it and boy, is that distracting. So what I have to do instead is turn off the autofocus and just sort of see if I can make sure to get it manually focused properly. Um, that's what I have been doing upstairs uh, for my standing videos, and that seemed to work. Uh, it'll be interesting to see just how well I can do that here at my desk. I tend to, I'm not sure if I move around more or less, but it'll be interesting to see. Anyway, that was my, my, my uh, uh, you know, a little bit of playing uh, over the past couple of days was to uh, you resurrect the, uh, the cam link that you recommended some time ago and actually plug it in and have it work. I was actually pretty thrilled. That's cool. Yeah, I've had, I've been successful with it. I mean, I use it every day, uh, but at, un- unfortunately at 1080 because right. um, 4K is just not good enough. Um, I'm not getting enough frames per second. I, you know, I still have hope that maybe one day, you know, I get a newer Mac Pro and maybe it'll work. I I do have a 2016 MacBook Pro, so which is a little bit has some things that are a little bit better than my 2014 Mac Pro, mm-hmm. um, and same exact behavior which doesn't bode well because I would thought, well, maybe it's not still not good enough, but better, but no, it's same exact behavior. So I'm, I'm worried that you know, I'll never be able to use 4k, but I'm kind of okay with it because as it is, since I switched to doing everything 1080, the files are huge. Right. <laughs> and you know, my archive drive is just filling up since I do five videos a week. It's like, if I switched to 4k, it would fill up four times as fast almost. Right, right. Um, you know, and, I don't know. So I, I have done a couple of experiments where I've recorded to the SD card on my camera, which mine's a Sony A6100. Right. And and then, you know, I have to do the extra step of transferring the from the SD card into the computer and then syncing it up with the rest of what I've been recording. Right, which is um, how I work, by the way. That's, um, uh, you know, before using the cam, like I, I am yeah. using that camera to record me for my narration videos, but it's exactly that same scenario. It's recording to the SD card and then I have to go through a uh, okay. couple steps to copy That's things a, off. Yeah, and, it's a lot of steps. And and then, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not doing that except for a couple of special occasions where I've done it just to, to play with the 4K video. Right. Um, but actually, you know, so I, while you were playing with that stuff, I was also playing with my setup this week, mm-hmm. uh, actually last week. So I'm not, you've already established that you're pre- pretty high level there with photography. I mean, I don't know that I call not, it that, not but pro yeah. <laughs> level, but yeah. you're higher amateur level than I am. Uh, I consider myself, I don't know, lower amateur level. Like, you know, I've got a, a nice camera or two. I like taking pictures, uh, but I don't really, I don't know the, a lot of the technical things. But I do know technical things about other stuff, so I know to be wary about uh, thinking you know how things are going to work. So I got my Sony A6100, and it comes with a kit lens, which is a you know a zoom lens. Mm-hmm. Doesn't zoom very much, but it goes from 16 millimeters to 50 mil- millimeters, and that's good when you want to just take some pictures because you can kind of frame things. You can move in a little bit closer, a little bit further, frame a nice photograph, take it. Uh, and even for video, it works just fine, except I want to do the same video every day, which means I have it set up on uh, like this special mount that I built, and it's right over my screen, and I'm sitting in the same spot every day. And when I turn the camera on, it defaults to 16 millimeter zoom, the widest, and I have to zoom in a little bit. Oh, right. Right. So I, so not all the way, but somewhere in the middle, which there's no way to actually tell it i want you to be exactly here it's like i have to basically manually zoom in and get it approximately to where i like it i could see the numbers but like it only says say 20 millimeters and there's a little bit of leeway inside of 20 millimeters right you know that so every day i was doing that so every day was a little bit different of a frame for my videos plus it was a whole extra thing i had to do kind of grabbing the camera physically and adjusting it and all that stuff um so I had an idea. I thought, well, you know, I'm always going to about 20 millimeters. Uh, what if there was a lens that was just 20 millimeters? And sure enough, there is one. That's exactly 20 millimeter fixed Sony E-mount lens. I'm like, oh, that's convenient because if it had been 22 or 18, I'd be out of luck. <laughs> so 
but I just didn't, I was like, okay, so technically if I bought this 20 millimeter lens, stuck it on this camera, it would be exactly the framing that I would get with my kit lens when I adjust it to 20 millimeters. Mm -hmm. Uh, except that I've learned that sometimes things don't work like that. And I don't know enough about photography to know whether or not that's true. And it's a $300 or $350 lens. So I was like, I don't know. So I put off for a while. I finally asked one of my other photographer buddies and he said, yes, absolutely. It should work that way. Mm -hmm. I was still a little skeptical because I thought, well, he might not be understanding. I may not be relaying to him exactly what I mean. Um, and I was skeptical. And eventually I just, one day I just said, okay, I'll buy it. And uh, I put it on the camera and sure enough, it is. It's exactly what I had hoped. So I've got this 20 millimeter lens now that does not adjust. It's fixed. It's on the camera. Mm -hmm. And some ni a nice side effect is when I turn the camera on, it's almost like it is a webcam. It's kind of solid state. There's right. no whirring and twisting and, you know, you hear the nothing. You just turn it on, click, it's on. And then there's the perfect framing for the camera, nothing for me to adjust. Even the autofocus, because it is an autofocus lens, the autofocus is, it's gotta be somewhat mechanical. It's an optical autofocus inside of the lens. Right. But I can't hear it. And it doesn't seem, doesn't seem to be any movement, but it is autofocusing on me and I can hold my hand. The Sony, you were talking about autofocus before. One of the reasons I like the Sony here is it has very good video autofocus. Right. It won't mess around. So you can actually, I can do something like hold up like a, you know, a, SD card up to the camera and it will quickly focus on it and then pull the SD card away and now it's focused back on my face. You know, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's something that I, I would not be able to do with right. my Nikon because exactly. I've got the my autofocus old, turned off. Yeah. Yeah. My old Canon would have a little bit of issue with that too. But so I was very surprised and it works really well. I think the image quality may even be better, which would make sense. A fixed lens is specializing in that exact thing and all of that. Uh, I, and I had texted my my friend back who I originally asked about it. And I said, it works. It's exactly the same as setting the, the kit lens of 20 millimeters. And he goes, well, I would hope so. Or, yeah. or Sony would have some explaining to you to do. 20 or, millimeters or, is 20 millimeters, yes. Or maybe the science of physics would have some explaining <laughs> to do. But, you know, I, I just wasn't sure whether there are not yep. other factors that determine that. So it's kind of nice to have that. And, and it's as a video uh, camera now, I could even I could see why this lens exists. It even comes with a little hood that kind of gives you that rectangular, uh, you know, front to it, mm -hmm. specifically mm -hmm. kind of for video shooting. And it's like, yeah, because if you're shooting video, you know, setting things up and shooting video, you're putting the tripod where you want it to be. You don't right. need to zoom in on the action. You probably shouldn't be zooming in on the action. You should be placing the camera differently. And so that kind of makes sense to have this kind of lens as a really good a video lens for for the Sony's. So the um, the other thing that comes to mind that's generally different between the zooms and what they call prime lenses. Uh, a prime lens is a fixed yeah. uh, uh, focal length. Um, is uh, the f rating? Do you know what? Yes. So do you know the what the two are now? Uh, Older than I, you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> this, <laughs> um, I believe this is a. Uh, 2.8, I think. Um, yeah, I think the, the lowest end is a 2.8, F2.8, which mm -hmm. is the same as the kit lens, I believe. Oh, okay. Because what I was going to point out is that normally prime lenses will be just a little bit um, better in terms of light gathering. They'll be able to have a lower f-stop rating, which is not necessarily something that you would use. You'd use it in special cases, of course, but not for what you're doing. What I like about a fixed um uh, a prime lens, and I may have to play with this on mine if I can get the same kind of um, um, framing that, I, that I'm looking for, is that uh, they do a better job, an ever so slightly better job of light gathering, which means you can uh -huh. either choose a, um, uh, a lower ISO to get you know, slightly less grainy photos, um, a higher frame rate if that's something, or a, a, a faster shutter speed, I should say, if that's something you're interested in. Or what I care about is to be able to actually take the, um, uh, the aperture down to a lower number so that the depth of field is wider, so that I'm in focus regardless of whether I'm leaning back or leaning forward. Right? Yeah, so... And that's I, something I, that would improve with a, uh, with a better lens. Yeah, they do. Both, both appear to be 2.8. The... Um, that's definitely the, for the lens I've got now is 2.8. The, 
I, I would almost want it to, if I could change anything, it would be to go lower because what I want is the background behind me, the wall behind me mm-hmm. to be a little bit less in focus. <laughs> um, right now, it's oh, a right, yep, yep, too in focus for me. And you could yep. see it's a muslin uh, screen and, you know, with high def, you can see the imperfections in it and everything like that. So depending on the um, uh, settings on the camera, which I'm sure that they've all pretty much got the same thing. What I believe you need to investigate is something for you to play with is uh, change it to uh, um, aperture priority. Yeah. And then set the aperture and then the camera will figure out what the right shutter speed is. Uh, for video, you won't notice a difference. For yeah, that's some, the problem. Yeah. You won't notice a difference with the shutter speed, but you will notice a difference in the depth of field because you set the aperture to be so wide open. Um, so it sounds like it's, it might stand a chance of actually solving the problem you want to solve. Well, I'll try. I, I did play around with that, but it didn't seem, it seemed like I was already at the lowest setting it's the problem is the wall is not far enough away from me right there is that yep. and if it was further away from me i'd have the problem where it would have to be too big like you know the screen itself right. uh covers right. in almost five feet wide right. and if i moved no. it back just a couple feet not you that should I could be able to set back. it if, if 2.8 is the lowest it goes then 2.8 should give you the narrowest depth of field right which oh. is what i've gotten it's still not right. okay. you still see too much detail so Eh, you know, it is. Uh, that's not. That's not the worst uh, sure. problem. Solve one problem at a time, and it's uh, get a little bit better every day, and all that. So fun stuff. So the other thing too that that took me a long time to to get my head around is that uh, the difference between a full frame and a crop frame camera. Mm-hmm. Um, what they did when they first apparently when they first started coming out with uh, uh, digital. Um, SLRs, is the actual sensor was two-thirds the size of uh, essentially a 35-millimeter slide, 35-millimeter surface area. But you would treat it the same way, right? But what that means is that all the lenses are architected or designed for um, the smaller smaller frame. Mm -hmm. So my 5300 is a crop frame camera. the 810, on the other hand, is a full-frame camera. Uh, it's got huge megapixels. And, uh, but, but the lenses are interchangeable. Mm. But, <laughs> this brings me all the way back to your, yes, you know, 20 millimeters is 20 millimeters, except it's not when you're switching the lens between a crop frame and a full-frame camera. 20 millimeters doesn't mean quite the same thing. Uh, between the two. Uh, ah. On a full-frame camera, a f- 50 millimeters is like the standard, um, you know, it's not a zoom, it's not a macro, it's not wide angle. Um, that's like the standard lens if you're going to get a single lens. when you In the days when cameras only came with a single lens fixed, it was usually a 50 millimeter lens for a 35 millimeter camera. Um, but that's not the case for a uh, uh, a crop frame camera where it's more like a 35 millimeter lens, which of course on a full frame camera is wide angle. I mean, it just, it gets crazy. So you end up still playing with it, but you can do some bizarre and different things by putting the lenses from one camera onto the other. Um, it's, uh, it's just more stuff to play with. Uh, so yes, 20 millimeters is 20 millimeters, except when it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I haven't used this camera as a camera since I bought it, which, you know, is a shame. I guess if I if I did travel, like go on an actual trip somewhere, right. what I would probably do is is take it off the mount here, uh, stick a you know, normal lens back on it, and, you know, go with it instead of my older, much, much older camera. I actually had an opportunity this week to photograph something because there mm-hmm. was a little bit of an air show over Denver. Um not the uh, big federal government air show kind of thing, but it was right. a local charity and they flew some old planes some biplanes and interesting things. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, I looked at the route and I said, hey, that's going to go over the park that's nearby. Uh, so I grabbed my old camera, basically, uh, basically because it has a zoom lens. Right. So I still haven't bought a zoom lens for the Sony because I really haven't had the need to, but my old Canon even though it's 10 plus years old now, 15 years old, I don't know, the, the Rebel T3i, uh, it's getting pretty old. 
but it ha- but I have a zoom lens for it, which of course was crucial. Actually, even with the zoom lens, the planes were still too far away. Right. Unfortunately, for me to get any decent shot uh, with it, but you know, I gave it a try. Yeah, I uh, I always struggle. Uh, for example, when we have visitors over with their dogs, I mean, ninety percent of my pictures these days are dogs. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. one spe- one specific breed of dog, as, as a matter yes. of fact. But um, I have to kind of sort of make a decision: uh, which lens am I going to use today? Right, yeah. because they are, um, you know, changing is not something that you do quickly on the fly, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the dogs are moving quickly, but they're far away. So you kind of, if the weather's good, then the then the, the the telephoto works well. But if they're not, then maybe you want the other one. And um, I did get very lucky. Uh, gosh, I think it was last year. The weather was great. I had my telephoto lens on and. One of the Boeing Dreamliners was uh, circling. It was actually circling over our house. Uh, it was for a local festival. They were planning a flyby. It was apparently is a Dreamliner that is, uh, or was, I don't know, uh, uh, fueled exclusively with biofuel. So they were making, and it's had, you know, the appropriate livery on there to make, you know, to make it look like, or to advertise the fact that they were doing that. So it was circling over our house multiple times, and I was able to take multiple different shots of it. Um, But uh, what that reminds me of, though, now that you mentioned the airplanes, I forget, are you in or around a flight pattern anymore? Oh, well, yeah, there's plenty, plenty going around here, you know, with our international airport, but then also several regional airports. Okay. There's no, there's no lack of planes flying overhead. Well, it's interesting because we actually live underneath one of the most common approach vectors into the Seattle airport. Mm. And uh, it was kind of cool. I mean, one year I was able to look out the window and go, oh, look, there's my house. But uh, by and large, uh, it's been weird. The airplane traffic has dropped dramatically in oh, the sure. last in the last three months uh, to the point where uh, right after 9-11 uh, we noticed it even more so because then it was complete silence there just yeah. were no aircraft yeah i remember that it was very spooky and we're kind of approaching that same kind of level here today where you know yeah we get the occasional aircraft i mean there you know there's there's the occasional one going into into SeaTac and we're also depending on the weather in one of the approaches for um the airport that's used where Boeing actually makes the 767s um 777s and 787s so there's you know a fair amount of traffic going in that direction as well but um no it's been really quiet Really can imagine, quiet. yeah. No, we we don't really have the noise except in one particular weather situation. Usually there's an, like an overcast and there's, I guess, the wind's coming from a certain direction and then there's a flight path. So, right. so the, I know it's when it's overcast because I never see the planes. Every time I'm like, oh, this, that's another plane that went overhead. And yeah. I look outside and of course it's cloudy. Right. It only happens when it's cloudy. <laughs> so there's something about, because we, you know, we live right up against, you know, Denver's, they got the mountains right. and the planes and it, it, it's very specific. You, they can't, they don't have a, like, it's not like Dallas, I imagine, or something where you can come from any direction. It's like, yeah, not quite. <laughs> there's, right. a, there's kind of a, like a, uh, you know, a 10,000 foot wall, uh, on one side. <laughs> uh, so you can't quite always have the planes approach from there and expect to actually drop altitude quickly enough to actually hit the airport. Right. I'm sure they can do it. Um, but I'm sure it's not the ideal approach. Uh, for it. But um, yeah, it's weird without the traffic, the airline traffic. We, a lot of people post pictures, you know, we have a a very busy airport just like you do. Sure. And so people like posting pictures of, oh, I had to go to the airport for this reason or that. Here's a picture of the parking lot. And you know, you're used to the parking (laughs) lot is a massive parking lot stretches on forever. And it's just, it's just empty or the inside of the terminal. And it's just empty. It's like, never looks like that. I mean, that is, it's just very bizarre. Or even uh, one of my friends I was talking to actually had to fly um, uh, to see uh, a relative uh, for a medical reason um, and said it was just, he went in and there was nobody. Unlike a lot of airports, and I kind of remember Seattle's, but uh, you know, you don't really see like for a distance, like 
you're just in your little section. It, Denver's got this massive, huge terminal where you could see everything. You could see from one end to the other from certain points. And it's just like, it's like, uh, you know, the massive roof that is way up high and all that. So he walked in and said there was nobody there. There were like four people at TSA, which is, you know, for the entire TSA. I mean, everything right. going through right. there. I mean, he just walked right up to them and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they're like, okay, walk through here and do this. And it was like, there was nobody else there. He quietly rode, a tr- rode one of the little trains by yep. himself <laughs> to where the plane was. Got to where the plane was. There were a few other people on his flight. There was no, there were, you didn't see any other flights taken off. Took off to wherever, you know, whatever other American city had to go to. And it was just hardly anybody on the plane. It was quiet. It was like, it was so bizarre. It seems like it would be a wonderful time to fly, except for, you know. Except, yeah, except that. <laughs> you know. It's weird that I mentioned that the, there's an airport. So Seattle has SeaTac, which is south of downtown Seattle. The city to the north of Seattle, uh, the bigger city, Everett, is home to Boeing. That's where they have their largest uh, manufacturing plant. And that sits on uh, Payne Field, which is another airport, which just last year, or a year or a year before, began commercial flights. And we were able to, you know, pick up a couple people, drop off a couple people. It's wonderful. It's like having this tiny little private airport Uh, And if your flight goes in and out of that airport, it's like a wonderful experience compared to the massive airports like Denver or Seattle. Oh, yeah. We have an airport here called Centennial, and it's Mm -hmm. down in Centennial, Colorado. And they have a restaurant, of course, where you can eat basically overlooking the runway. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and they have a restaurant, right? Just one. Well, yeah, it's just because, and and the whole reason it's there is to have like, you know, if you, if you like planes, you know, you take your kids and you just see planes, little planes, mostly taking off a lot of private jets, things like that. And, uh, and it's fun. And I, I, the one time I was there and I pointed out to everybody else at the table, you know, you could, those tail numbers, just type those into Google. Yes. And then you come up with like, oh, okay. That plane arrived from Chicago it's here and it will take off at this time and arrive in Los Angeles. <laughs> you the know, piece like, of you information. Like for every, every plane that's on there. It'll tell you also how old that plane is, who yes. bought it, what the previous airline that owned it was, all that good stuff. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, you could, it, it, and you find interesting stuff like, uh, like, oh, that plane left Paris like yes, last night. And it stopped here, here, and here. Now it's in Denver. You know, it's a small plane, so it doesn't have the right. fuel capacity. But it's on its way to L.A. from Paris, and it's passing through Denver for whatever reason. I don't know. It's interesting stuff you can do. I wonder what it's like there now. Uh, but I bet you it's probably a little bit closer to normal than the commercial flights because I think there's been an uptick in people wanting to take private flights and also companies springing for the bill for people to take private flights. I would think so because the, the smaller airplanes, again, they're, they're, I don't want to say that they're the definition of social distancing, but it's certainly a heck of a lot easier in a smaller plane, right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a much, much smaller Petri dish that you're sitting in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, right. yeah, I think this, uh, I think we're good. I think yeah. we're, uh, are we coming up? Dang it. Yeah, it's almost you know, exactly we one could, hour. We could promote a couple things and then go if you want. We should do that. We should yeah. do that. Um, so the article that I featured in my newsletter this week uh, is one that I think is pretty timely, that I think a lot of people either are asking about, are thinking about, or should be thinking about. And that is, can my workplace see what else I'm doing when I work from home? With so many people working from home right now. Um, you're kind of letting the boss in the door. And depending on how things are set up, uh, he might be able to see and do more than you think. So it's at least something to be well aware of. That's askleo.com slash 122466. Cool. And the uh, one I want to push is uh, a uh, video I did that's got some traction about um, using Mac Photos, which is the Photos management software that comes uh, with a Mac. A lot of people uh, stress about how to organize their photos, you know, to apply tags, Mm -hmm. do you create albums, how do you do stuff? And I pointed out in this video, you don't have to do anything. It will put your stuff together by date and you can dig in, you know, year, month, day to quickly find a photo. If you don't like that, you can go to the places tab and it will organize them on a big map of the world. 
And if you don't like that, you can go to the faces, or it's called people tab, and you could go in and uh, just look at photos grouped by facial recognition. Not only that, you can search for stuff uh, by um, subject, you know, things, objects that are in the photos. So if you know you took a picture of a, uh, a boat in the water at sunset, you could search for boat and sunset and find that picture pretty quickly. And if you know you took a picture of, uh, you know, your family standing on the dock while you were taking a picture of the boat, you can then go from that picture and say, show me the pictures, you know, go to the timeline with these pictures. Right. And, oh, there's the one I was looking for. Yep. So you can opt for none of the above when um, – organizing your your photos on your mac and uh save all that time but still find all your stuff pretty easily that is anyway that is cool yeah that's a problem i struggle with here on my pc is just how best to organize my stuff i've got everything in folders by date but after that it's like now what so all righty the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh99 you've got a comment or a question for us, you know to find us on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast, or you can always leave a comment on the show notes page. Thanks for listening. Uh, next week is our big 100th episode. Who knows what Gala event. I know. Be, <laughs> I'm going to wear a black tie. All right, and maybe we'll look at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.